Welcome back to the Red Dice Diaries RPG podcast with John and Hannah. Hi. And today is the first of a two-parter where we're going to be talking about monks in D&D. So, as we've said, today we're going to be talking about the monk class in various editions of D&D. Now, originally the monk class was created by Brian Bloom, inspired by the fictional martial arts of the Destroyer series of novels, and it was introduced in the Blackmore Supplement in 1975. Now, I've not read the Blackmore Supplement, so I can't claim to know much about that. However, I do know that the monks also appeared in first edition AD&D Player's Handbook. I've got my copy of that here. And I'm just going to have a quick look at the monks. Now, they have some pretty hefty prerequisites in 1st edition D&D. You need strength, wisdom and dex of 15 and constitution of 11. And they never gain an experience point bonus. They don't get any AC adjustment for dex. The book describes them as monastic aesthetics who practice rigorous mental and physical training and discipline in order to become superior. Therefore, they must always be lawful in alignment, although they can be evil, good or neutral with respect to their approach of lawfulness. A monk who for any reason loses their lawful alignment, loses all their abilities and must begin again as a first level character. So... If we look at the, the the different character classes, the monk seems to be fairly weak first off in AD&D 1st edition, even considering that at the upper levels they can have 18, albeit four-sided, hit dices, and they've got a good selection of weapons. According to the book, they've got no spell abilities, they can't wear armour, they can't use a shield, they can't use flame and oil. All that seems to make them fairly weak. However, according to the book, this impression is false. Monks get their own special attack and defence capabilities, certain other powers, and also they get most of the abilities that a thief would have as well. And a few sort of little clerical abilities bleeding in there. So while it appears weak if you just look at the sort of combat stats, when you factor in all these other abilities, they're actually it's actually quite a strong class, hence the high prerequisites. They attack in the same manner as thieves, but they get to add half of their hit points per level as the amount of damage they score when they attack a foe with a weapon. They get additional chances to stun or kill an opponent if they attack them without weapons. They get saving throws similar to thieves, but they get certain advantages. Non-magical missiles, which normally can't be dodged or thrown aside, if they make a saving throw against petrification. They can catch missiles and throw them back. And that looks to be pretty much it. I'm just having a look at some of their other special abilities. So they get the ability to speak with animals, as druids do, starting at third level. They get the ability to mask the mind, so ESP only has a 30% chance of success. That power begins at fourth level, and with each level afterwards, the chance drops by two. At 5th level, a monk is not subject to diseases of any sort, nor are they affected by haste or slow spells. They gain the ability to induce a sort of cataleptic state where they appear dead. A 6th level or higher monk can lower their body temperature and heart rate. They can maintain this state for twice the number of turns, equal to their level. So if you're 6th level, you can do it for 12 turns. At 7th level, you gain the ability to heal damage on your body. 
you gain the ability to speak with plants at 8th level. Beguiling charms, hypnosis and suggestion spells have only a 50% chance of affecting a monk of the 9th level. At each level after that, the resistance increases by 5%. And telepathic and mind blast attacks are from things like mind flares and such like upon a monk of upon a monk of 10th level or higher are made as if the carrot had an 18 intelligence due to their mental discipline and there's, there's even more abilities 11th and higher they're not affected by poisons gear some quest spells have no effect on them at 12th level or after and the last ability is they gain an attack which enables them to set up vibrations in the body of the victim and control the vibrations so as to cause death to occur when the monk stops them. Known as the quivering palm, you touch your victim to set up the vibrations. The, the victim can be virtually any creature. The power is limited as follows. You can only do it once a week. The monk must touch the intended victim within three melee rounds or the power is drained for one week. No effect on undead or creatures that can only be hit by magic weaponry. The victim can't have more hit dice than the monk using the power. The total hit points of the victim can't exceed those of the monk by more than 200%. To die, the control of the vibrations must be given by the monk within a set time limit or else the vibrations simply cease and do no damage whatsoever. The time limit of the death command is one day per level of experience the monk has gained at the time the power is used. So, pretty feisty from the sounds of it there. I can certainly see why they were like, yeah, you're going to need some serious like stats to pull that off and obviously they're emphasizing the more sort of in inverted commas eastern variety of monk there you know with the sort of martial yeah, arts it, it's the 1980s kung fu series type of monk compared yeah, to yeah friar tuck type of monk that's it yeah it's more your wire foo sort of like kung fu style monk isn't it as much beloved of the the sort of kung fu mania films. Although listening to you read that description, um, a lot of the stuff that you mentioned strikes me as being ideal for the sort of warrior monk types in the Dan Brown series, or maybe for the sparrows in Game of Thrones. Mm. So there are other ways you could put a spin on it, and I think one of the things that you have to do with the monks to help use them in a setting now is to put your own game's stamp on them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one of the things I very much liked in 3rd edition, there was one of the Forgotten Realms books for 3rd editions, I forget which one it was, maybe like Fates of Faerun, but they, they were sort of bringing the monk into the Forgotten Realms setting where previously it wasn't really a thing and the way they did that is they reskinned it as a number of different martial orders which mm -hmm. focused on this whole like aesthetic sort of unarmed combat sort of style but they sort of brought it into their setting and they reskinned it to work more with the forgotten realms which i quite liked i sort of prefer that because for me given that the that most, not all, but most of the sort of character classes are sort of based on fairly sort of Western fantasy stereotypes. Like, you know, your fighter, mm -hmm. your, 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 your wizard with his pointy hat and his spell, but your ranger, your stuff like that. The monk always sort of stuck out a bit for me because it just felt as though, oh, we've got all these classes that are based on Western stereotypes. Here's a, here's a class that's based on an Eastern stereotype and we're just going to sort of jam it in with all the others. Isn't there a, like, martial arts-type guy in the Conan movie? Oh, 
Possibly, I don't remember, to be honest. Because, um, obviously, it, as you say, it does seem to be from a different genre of 80s fantasy. Yeah. I mean, but, I, I know um, I know that in the, the basic D&D, they actually called the monk... Cl- the class that was similar to monk, they called it a mystic rather mm-hmm. than a monk. So I don't know whether that was an attempt to make it fit in better with the the original because obviously like basic D and sort of advanced Dungeons and dragons were sort of their own things by then. So I don't know whether that was a chance to sort of fold it in and make it fit with everything else or whether that was just how they were represented in Mistara or the known world, the sort of setting for basic D and D. This is one of the debates that's been going on as long as I've been playing D and D whether or not you should allow monks as a character class in your game but we've already been talking for 10 minutes and we wanted to do a whole episode so rather than trying to resolve that one debate let's look at some other stuff that the monks do okay so we know that after after first edition AD&D the monk was dropped as a standard class in second at AD&D I don't know why it was just dropped Although some elements later appeared in like the complete priest's handbook, so you could sort of make a character who was a little bit like a monk. So what were the monks like in third, Ed, then? Okay, well, looking at the, the 3.5 player's handbook, the sort of brief blurb that it gives for them is it says, Dotted across the landscape are monasteries, small walled cloisters inhabited by monks who pursue personal perfection through action as well as contemplation. They train themselves to be versatile warriors, skilled at fighting without weapons or armour. The inhabitants of monasteries headed by good masters serve as protectors of the people, ready for battle even when barefoot and dressed in peasants' clothes. Monks can travel unnoticed amongst the populace, catching bandits, warlords and corrupt nobles. So to me that seems like a bit of a sort of melding of like the western and eastern monks. Yeah, there's definitely more of a flavour of your sort of hermit types in there. Yeah. Um, and the, the reason it gives for monks adventuring here is it says they approach it as though it's like a personal test, part of their enlightenment. Mm-hmm. And that, again, seems to be like leaning on the sort of like the idea of like the Buddhist monk, you know, seeking enlightenment. Uh, key feature of the monk is the ability to fight unarmed and unarmoured thanks to rigorous training. Although they don't have spells, they do have spells. Although monks don't have spells, they have magic of their own. So, all right, okay, maybe they don't have spells, but they've got magic abilities by a different name. Mm-hmm. They call it key. You basically have a number of like, let's let's call them key points rather than spell points that you can spend to access the various abilities. And this is supposed to represent, you know, your internal reserves of energy mm-hmm. and stuff like that. You have to be lawful still. Uh, gives a bit of background like monks typically train in a monastery most monks are trained from children in the monastic lifestyle primarily found amongst humans they have d8 hit to dice they get they have pretty much the, the sort of like the standard like thieves type skills they're proficient with basic peasant weapons and some special weapons that are part of monk's training. What the weapons a monk is proficient in are clubs, crossbows, daggers, hand axes, javelins, um, kama, nunchaku, quarterstaffs, sai, shuriken, and siangham, and slings, apparently. They're not proficient with armor or shields. They get an AC bonus, which sort of rises in level. They get a flurry of blows where you can basically, as long as you're unarmoured, you can strike numerous times, and that goes up to like ridiculous levels. 
Like if you're a 20th level monk, you get like five attacks, three at plus 15, one at plus 10, and one at plus five, and they're all doing like 2d10 damage. So you get like pretty feisty once you get up to high level, but every character that's 20 level is pretty feisty. Okay, you get you get an evasion ability where you can avoid magical and unusual attacks by making reflex saves. So, you know, normally if like a dragon breathe done, you get a reflex save for half damage, don't you? Mm-hmm. because they've got evasion if they make the save they don't take any damage whatsoever they like nimbly leap out of the way or whatever they get fast movements so they get a, a bonus to their move speed which starts at plus 10 feet at third level and goes up to plus 60 feet by the time you get to 20th level a monk of third level or higher gets plus two on saving throws against spells and effects at fourth level your attacks are empowered with key your unarmed attacks are treated as magic weapons for the purposes of dealing damage. And the damage improves as you go up in level. If you're fourth level or higher, as long as you've got something within reach, you can slow your fall and take less damage. At fifth level, you're immune to all diseases except for supernatural and magical diseases. Seventh level or higher, you can heal your own wounds. Ninth level, you get improved evasion. And the powers keep going up in a similar style to first edition D&D. There, you know, you stop aging, you become immune to all manner of different things. Up until 20th level, where you're literally so at one with yourself that you're no longer exactly human. And you're actually treated as an outsider, an extra planar creature, rather than a humanoid for the purposes of spells and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Additionally, you get damage reduction 10 which allows you to ignore the first 10 points of damage from any non-magical weapon. Unlike other outsiders, the monk can still be brought back from the dead as though you were a member of your previous creature type. And if you become non-lawful, you lose all the abilities again. So the monk for the monk for third edition is pretty similar to the one from first edition, to be honest, although they've tried to like consolidate all the powers, so they're based around key points and... Uh, you get various skills. So see, uh, 3.5 was like a big sort of skill system mm-hmm. as opposed to AD&D, which wasn't so much. So just to step outside the D&D stuff yep. for a moment, um, what sort of characters can you think of that would be like good examples of the monk? that you've seen in, I don't know, film, TV, whatever. I, I, I think we were just talking about the whole, like, melding of like, the Eastern and Western mm-hmm. sort of stereotypes of monks. One of the one of the things that comes to mind is that, that Doctor Who episode with, like, the werewolf in it, with David Dalek, it's called Tooth and Claw. Oh, yeah. Where there's, like, a load of, like, evil monks in, like, the castle of, like, one of them's the werewolf. Sorry, spoilers, but it's years old, so I deal with it. <laughs> And at the start, they're all sort of they're, they're with the brown Hessian robes on. They look like your typical monks. And then when stuff like kicks off, they throw the hoods back. They like bust their staffs out, and they're all like somersaulting everywhere and doing like all the martial arts. And that for me, I thought it was a bit tongue in cheek. It's Doctor Who. It was played for laughs, you know. Doctor Who's never exactly been sort of precious with following like the mythology it's influenced by, but something about that i love the way it just sort of melded like the western and the eastern ideas of monks because they had all the the cartwheeling about and the athletics and they're obviously very good in like unarmed combat but aside from that all the trappings and everything's of them was very much of the western monk so that seemed to like be bringing it together quite nicely for me so the one that sprung to my mind as being 
a character that would probably be quite a good example of the monk uh, as a D&D type character. Okay. Avatar The Last Airbender, but not Ang, whose character's been raised as a monk and has all that background stuff. Uncle Iroh, who's started off as being like one of the villainous royal family. Oh yeah, the fire And then he's gone and met the dragons and like found enlightenment through that and then he gets imprisoned and all that stuff it struck me as a very monk type character yeah i was going to say you mentioned the the bit when he's in prison and he does the bit where he gets the pump where he's like right i'm breaking out and you see that bit where he like strips down to his like waist and he's like doing all the power he's doing all the power lifting and everything (laughs) so you get like a little training montage of him like perfectly calm he doesn't cause anyone any problems he's very polite to people while he's in jail and he's just exercising away obviously like focusing himself because he knows at some point he's gonna have to break out he's just waiting for the right trigger so he gets himself in shape he's perfectly focused he's not raging about it he's all like calm and then there's that bit where, like, he goes, right, I'm, I'm breaking out. And he says to, like, the young woman who's been nice to him, and he's like, I'd take tomorrow off if I was you, or something like that. And then he just, like, busts his way out of this jail. But all the way through it, he's not sort of, like, raging or, like, berserking or anything like that. He's just like, I need to do this. Here's what I need to do to do it. And he just gets on with it. So, yeah, I think that's a great example. And, I, and as you say, obviously, anger as well, because he was raised in a monastery. And similarly, um, I've recently been watching overly sarcastic productions, Legend of the Monkey King. Oh, right, okay, yeah. Uh, I hadn't realised for many years that Monkey, the TV series that we remember from when we were kids, was actually based on Eastern myth. Yeah. It's quite an entertaining myth. I was listening to the story. I was thinking, again, Tripitaka, the character who is a monk. Yeah. More like a cleric for D&D purposes. Whereas Sandy, that's another character that's on like a redemption arc mm-hmm. who does all the sort of fighting and he's a proper badass. But a lot of the time he's just trying to be sort of calm and be the sensible one of the group while Monkey's kicking off doing crazy stuff or Pigsy's going off being greedy. Sandy's just there like, can we not just get on with the mission? Okay, so that's it for part one of this two-parter. The next part will be coming out the following Monday. We hope you've enjoyed this. If you want to get in touch with us, you can leave us a message using SpeakPipe. There'll be a link in the description of this episode. Or you can send us an email to rdrpgpodcast at gmail.com. Until we see you next time, take care, stay safe, and keep gaming. So, what's apart from that, is there anything else in 4th Ed that's significantly different from 3rd Ed? Okay, well let me just have a quick look at the 